Okay guys, let's go. Welcome back to another episode, episode 5 of the Ike Ojako podcast or the Ike Ojako show, whichever one, whichever title you fancy. And so yeah, let's get right into it. The UFC Fight Island 7 this past weekend, this past Saturday the 16th of January 2021. It was a stacked card, both I have to say the, more so of course the main card, the main event, the um, main card more so than the preliminary card, but the preliminary card still was um, pretty impressive. So I'll start with the main event, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. I think I got it correct when I was listening to the commentators as Calvin Cater, not Calvin Qatar. So sorry about that if you listened to my last um, show, my last um, podcast, and I got it wrong. Um, Calvin Cater. And now these guys fought from the featherweight division, and um, I'd say Max Holloway was um, just, well, what can I say? I mean, at UFC 250, was it, yeah, you think UFC 251, he fought um, Alexander Volkanovsky, the Australian um, mixed martial artist. Um, I saw the way he fought. He he was good. He was really, really good. I mean, I even asked my coach at the time, who do you think won that fight? Obviously, it was Max, Max Holloway. Um, even as a novice myself, that from the way it looks, he won that fight. And this fight that he just won just a few days ago, at UFC Fight Island uh, Seven in over in Yas Island Abu Dhabi, he was it was awesome. He was on fire in that cage, you know. Uh, when it's just basically um, beat, not to insult Calvin Cater, but just beating the life out of Calvin Cater. I mean, credit to Calvin Cater, you know, as the uh, commentator and all other people that were giving a two cents on the on the event. You know, credits Calvin Cater. Even though he didn't win, he still put up a good, you know, a good defense and a good match for um, a good fight for uh, Max Holloway. You know, strong chin. You know, he did um, he did well. But of course, Max Holloway Holloway was the was the best of fights. I mean, Holloway was dishing out. Um, he got the ball rolling at the beginning of the fight with heavy strikes and uh, some a couple of spinning back kicks straight straight not, not straight to straight to uh, Qatar's uh, midsection and. Um, as I was watching this, and as I said just a few minutes ago, it reminded me again of UFC 251. And at the end of this fight, I, I texted my friend Charlie, who I've mentioned many times before in my videos and in my podcast. Um, I mentioned to Charlie that I I I guess I, I guess that the judges who um, were spectating, who were judging uh, the uh, winner for UFC 251 when Holloway for um, Voskanovsky, um, I guess they are eating their words or probably just racking their brains thinking what the hell are we thinking giving um what the hell were we thinking giving the win to Wolskanovsky when you know it was clearly Max Holloway was the better fighter but I'm guessing that you can't compare then the past with the present because you know between um one event if the fighter is still if the contracts are running with the particular organization in this case the UFC um between the old fight between the previous fight and the current fight you know they of course they've got enough time to do whatever they need to do make quite cut weight uh practice do plenty of sparring you know really prepare themselves to just better their fight game although in this case Max Holloway did make it clear at the um the post um the post press um conference after the fight he said that he didn't he didn't do any sparring in preparation for this fight um, that he sparred so many times before that there's no need for a heat lesson. You know what, in this game, if you've been doing it for as long as he's been doing even though he's only 29 years old, he's just about on the um, the right side of 30, even though he turns, thir- turns 30 this year. 
um if you've been doing what you're doing for so so long you know then you know what to expect you know what you signed up for so you know you know what to expect you know nothing really is going to be different except for who's going to win this competition and you know that um that you know, I can see the sense behind it because you know you want to protect yourself and protect your, especially your brain as much as possible while you're doing this sport. As it's a sport that they love and it's a sport that people like myself, I enjoy doing as a hobby, not not to compete, but you know just to train the kickboxing, the boxing side of things. It's very therapeutic, but for them, you know, um, they enjoy doing it and that that's great. But, but of course, he's being smart by looking at the health risks and the you know yeah the health risks with regards to things like your brain because when this goes really there's absolutely nothing you can do to get it back to what it wants what it was once before you know the doctors and nurses can do whatever they whatever they can likewise with this COVID-19 virus that's going on around the world now in this pandemic there's only so much they can do even with this vaccine um you know so he's just using a common sense approach and that's that that's was but still you know of course I'm sure he did everything else he's supposed to do to prepare for this fight so now I'm really really glad you know he's a humble guy and uh yeah to point this out, um, I wrote down in my notes. Duh, duh, duh. Um, towards the end of the fight, I think there's something that one of the commentators said, and you know the venue was empty, but Max Holloway heard them say it. I'm just trying to find it in my notes. Um, duh, duh, duh. yeah, I think as the round five, um, it, I wrote down. It seems clear. Who the winner is, of course, it's Sir Max Holloway. And then one of the commentators makes the remark, this fight's not even touched the ground. Yeah, and I point that out as well. There was no takedowns, no grapplings, nothing. You know, both guys were on their feet the whole time, the whole for the whole five rounds. You know, the commentator said, this fight's not even touched the ground. No takedowns. And then this did, this did trigger Holloway to say, I'm the best boxer in the UFC now. I did think about it, and I also did put, you know, I, I thought about it and at the same time. I uh, did check myself that I'm not a professional. I'm still a novice in this sport. I'm still learning so much all the time. But based on what I've seen, you know, I've just seen him fight and seen some other people fight as well. But when he, when he says um, he's the best boxer in the UFC, well, there's other people, of course, that you need to compare that to uh, to to gauge how good he how good he actually is. I mean, after this match that he's had now um, against um, against Cater, um, some people are saying that maybe, perhaps, um, he could fight um, Conor McGregor. Um, in fact, quite a few people want to fight Conor, want to fight Conor McGregor because. Um, no, um, Holloway has fought Conor McGregor before. I'm just finding my notes. I think it was at UFC. Oh, come on. Once too long ago. Yeah, it was at UFC Fight Night 26. This is back in 2013. Um, Connor did win that fight. But um, based on his performance um, with the match we had just the other night uh, in Abu Dhabi, uh, potentially, could he um, could he have a rematch with Conor McGregor? I'm assuming that it is a fight that most um, people like to see. I would like to see that alongside the fights, of course, with Dustin Poirier. But Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor, that's official. That's going to happen. I'd like to see a rematch with Khabib and McGregor. But again, um, that's something that has to be sorted out by the UFC. And Dana has to give his um, his approval to whether that's, that fight's going to happen or not. 
Um, but yeah, um, it, that was a good match, and you know there are people are now debating, they're talking about and thinking about whether he is the best boxer in the UFC, and um, yeah, not forgetting uh, what Cater calls um, Holloway before the match. Duh, 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 duh. Because Holloway did say mention this as he was shouting at the commentators, the freshman came to play because Cater called him that. Um, I think Cater Cater called him a freshman. Yeah, Cater called him a freshman, and um, he said, "Look, in this sport, I'm a senior. Been doing it for so long." Basically, calling um, Holloway a freshman, meaning that he's still a newbie to the sport, and uh, he'll be. Cater will easily beat him, but um, unfortunately, Kate, um, Kate was proven wrong, badly wrong in the cage, <laughs> in the cage that um, that night because a freshman doesn't fight like the way Max Holloway fought that night in the cage. Absolutely no way, because a freshman basically is in the name itself. Fresh man, you're you're fresh, you know. You're a joint just come. You don't know what you're doing, so you're not going to go in there all guns blazing. Because number one, you're not even confident in what you're doing. So you know. Um, I'm sure he's eating his words while his um, all the stitches and whatever is all healing up in his um, and the cuts and stuff. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm a fre- yeah I am the freshman as Holloway said I'm the freshman and he said this in the conf- in the press conference I'm the freshman that came up and took a girlfriend. So it, that was a great fight, um, loved it and yeah it's a great performance. <laughs> Moving on to the next one, uh, Carlos Condit um, Condit versus Matt Brown. Now this is the welterweight division. Um, good fight. So the first round, uh, both guys um, got into it, exchanging strikes and leg kicks. Uh, Brown Singh got Condit in takedown, and um, yeah, Brown did do a good job of keeping Condit pinned to the canvas flat. And yeah, it was in this fight that uh, I did notice that. Um, that their ground game, the grappling was pretty was um pretty good, because they stayed on the floor on the ground on the canvas floor there for what seemed like nearly a minute, um a whole minute passed and Brand was still had Condit pinned squarely and firm to the ground. So I should say that, uh, in this case, you know Brown's Brown's grappling and ground game is is takedowns are you know pretty good because they they stayed squarely on the floor there for a long long time. So. After that, Condit managed to break free, and um, but, but again, Brand still managed to grab a hold, grab a hold of him, and put him down on the floor again. Um, so after a minute or so had passed by, um, Condit again nearly manages to break free, but Brand still again managed to grab him and continue um, and, and the second takedown. Uh, so um, yeah, I don't know what what, my, what else I can say about this fight. I'm sounding silly again. I'm learning so much about it. And I watched a lot of fights for uh, making before making this podcast now, so a lot of it's left um <laughs> left uh my mind. But in that um excuse me in that match um it was um it was Brown who was it running on the fight? No, it wasn't Brown. Um it was Carlos who um did who won that fight. Carlos Condit, the natural born killer. Uh, wins okay so moving on to the next fight which was Li Jing which was a Chinese fighter fighting out of China Li Jing Liang versus Santiago Ponti Ponti Bibio now this was part of the welterweight division also 
and I think this was one of those fights because there were several fights on the main card that ended. I, you know, I said to Charlie, and uh, basically, the fights ended even before they even started, and this was one of them. Uh, so, the first round started. Um, da, 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 da. First round started. Um, both fighters basically paced around the octagon, and uh, Lee got kind of got got the ball rolling. He landed the first strike. Uh, still, as round one is still progressing on, not much has happened except for a strike and a leg kick here and there. Um, so, while I was watching, and again, again um, I was watching the highlights, and just the other day, and really, this is something. This is something that every mixed martial arts or sports fan should know. Um, when it comes to like something like MMA, um, I found that just the other day. Charlie told me this, and again, it's something I should have known. Um, most of the fighting um, organizations, for all of them, UFC, Bellator, One Championship, they have this app whereby I think they've got like a server and they store all their past fights on there. I'm not sure how long it stays on there for, but they store their past fights on there. And through the app, you can access their past fights and watch it again. And uh, I hold my hands up. I haven't, I haven't even downloaded it to any of my devices. So um, I know that looking at those, losing basically using that platform to watch the fight instead of going onto YouTube and looking at highlights that other people recorded through their TV sense or whatever, it's going to be far better. But this fight basically land, um, ended um, with Lee landing a really heavy um, uh, a heavy left hook and uh, basically ended up in a knockout. And it all happened basically in the first round. So it was uh, <laughs> it was crazy. And it's another, I have to say, it's something else I've... Um, kind of come to learn in mixed martial arts that you can be fighting and just doing what you're supposed to do in the octagon um but you know um if one of the and i think it's obvious that even in other combat sports such as boxing um if one of the opponents really lands a really heavy shot a, a, a heavy kick um if if it's a combination of strikes that causes a knockout or a left hook or just a single strike that causes a knockout then the fight's over and it's done and that person has won so uh, when I sat there, I was thinking, God, I'm going to have to sit through, because I couldn't see the actual fight, I'm going to have to sit through um, like a whole half hour's worth of of, um, of fighting. But no, no, that's not always the case. If one of them just knows that they want to win, they want to win so badly, as badly as they want to breathe breathe air, then it can be over before it's even started. And the next fight kind of ended the same way. Um, it's kind of it's one of those fights I said to Charlie. Um, you know, it's one of those fights that it ended before it even started. This is Alessio Di Chirico versus Joaquin Buckley, the middleweight division. And I remember Joaquin's uh, last fight, which he won, and then this fight, which he lost. I think in that fight, um, the guy he was fighting, he was significantly older than he was, but nearly ten years older. Um, I can't remember his name, um, but he, Joaquin won that fight by a knockout also, and well, he lost this fight by a knockout. Uh, so, God, I'm not trying to shit on fighters or, or trying to make a joke of it, but what I say is karma or anything like that. But you know, when they say what goes around comes around, um, but yeah, um, both guys were pacing or pacing around the octagon. Uh, Buckley was keeping. Um, close to um his opponent and always trying to close that gap not giving the the guy any space at all but then somehow um Chirico just happened to land um just out of nowhere um just lands a KO and Buckley just goes straight onto the floor and um 
Thrown to the floor and uh, did you, uh, the other guy just manages to get more strikes in. The other guy whose name is Alessio Di Chirico. Sorry, I'm just trying to pronounce his names properly. Alessio Di Chirico. While he um, issued that knockout, he just started issuing out some more strikes. And at the beginning of the fight, the first leg kick that was um, exchanged, or no, the first leg kick that was dished out, I heard a noise and I actually thought it was bone breaking or buckling somehow when I asked Charlie when I asked Charlie he said that when it's a clean when both legs or you know when you kick your opponent hard a leg kick um he said that when both when both legs touch when they make a clean clean contact but a heavy hard contact you actually hear that noise he actually went back and listened to it so he could understand what I was talking about because I thought you know that um, someone's bone had probably just somehow a fracture or something because it sounded like a, a crackling popping popping noise that's, that's what it sounded like to me but he said no that's um, expected because it was so loud it was picked up by the mic now the next fight um, which was um, Puna, Punahele um, Soriano versus Disco Todorovic the middleweight division um, one thing I did notice was that um Todorovic uh, was moving um, to avoid quite a few of the shots being dished up by Soriano and um, even though Dusko seemed to be somewhat calm, Soriano was still dishing out a lot, plenty of heavy strikes and even I think I was, there was a knee as well and at one point during the first round Dusko did trick yeah this is and this is something that DC Chromier did talk about uh, him and some of the other other guys are commentating a uh, cage side and also something I remember from one of my past um kickboxing classes MMA athletes I mean um from what I've learned from what I've seen like your mind when you're in there when you're competing or even training your mind has to be like working um so fast because when you're defending yourself that's fine but when you're defending yourself unfortunately another part of your body is exposed to attack and what happened in this match, I remember, um, who was it? Do, 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 do. Yeah, Todorovic to got Soriano into position uh, where um, where he nearly where he nearly had the opportunity to get a really, really nasty uppercut because um, he kind of out scared um, Soriano into faint, as, as they call it. If I'm wrong, guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, please do kindly correct me in the comment section down below. Um, but one of the guys comments, commentating said that um, Soriano was going into position whereby he got, kind of fainted, but he had kind of like had to um, guide himself like this, just guard his face uh, with his hands and his wrists. And um, I think as he did so, he crouched down and he, his opponent, Sorovic, nearly had the opportunity to just send a really heavy um, uppercut into um, into his head which really if it connected would have done some serious damage but you know again that kind of like goes back to the point I was making that in this sport you know if you're when you're competing or when you're training one of the things I've learned is that um, when you're taught how to guard yourself you got to do so also bearing in mind that another part of your body is being left open for um, attack because again if you guard yourself just with your hands and your, and your wrist guard your face the lower half of your body is exposed to attack, so you can guard yourself like that and crash down. You could, the other guy, the other person, your other opponent can land a really heavy, nasty um, hook or just nasty strike to 
to the top of your head while your face is covered or they can even near you they can even give you a really <laughs> nasty leg kick so again it's just uh, one of the um, the things about MMA there's lots of ways and this is was quoted by DC Cromer you know professional mixed martial artists um it's obvious but you know just just um, I'm saying that he said it but it's, it's obvious um in this sport there's many many ways that your opponent can trap you and trick you, you know just lay many ways um, for you that you think you're okay if you do this but no actually not if you do this to guard yourself as you, you normally th- common sense suggests that's what you're supposed to do but if you do that you actually could be leaving, leaving yourself exposed to something far 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 worse and just to top it off uh, this um, was a good fight um, da, da, da. Um, I think Soriano actually um, yeah Soriano actually won uh, by KO Sorry guys, I just watched so many fights from making this podcast, and if I if I was talking with someone, actually, it's a lot better. Um, but you know, it is what it is. But if I was talking with someone, you know, it just helps. It, it just so as I'm learning from them, especially if there's someone who's far more invested in this sport than myself. I'm still very much a novice. I feel very much like a novice, which is why I feel like there's so much I still have to learn. Um, if I'm talking with someone who knows a lot more than I do, I feel like I'm learning and. Also, we're talking about a recent match that's happened. Um, I can still, of course, it'll be easier for me to remember what's happened in the match. So you have to excuse me, I made so many notes. But in that match, um, Soriano, Soriano won by um, a heavy KO. Now on to the next one. Uh, this is the first female fight. Jocelyn Edwards versus uh, Wu Yanan, the women's bantamweight division. Now, it starts bas- uh, they start basically by um, exchanging some strikes uh, leg kicks. Um, Wu Yanan, um, the Chinese um, fighter, she got the first takedown in, and whilst grappling the floor, um, Edwards managed to get Yanan in a triangle. Yanan actually managed to get. I think Yan Yanan actually managed to get. Um, God, what did I write about this? <laughs> well, no, the two the two guards were. Sorry, not to be disrespectful, but and uh, the two fighters were on the ground there, um, um, not giving an inch. Each one was maintaining a really tight grip. So, you know, that was some good um, ground game. But eventually, Yanin managed to break free, and she uh, managed to get on top of Edwards, uh, but not for long. Um, as she did, as she did so, um, as she, as <laughs> I got what. Edwards, no, Edwards now got on top of Yanin and she started dishing out some really heavy blows. Um, the now the first round ended with both um, with both fighters grappling on the floor and exchanging strikes while they're doing so. Uh, yeah, and yeah, what stood out to me and I made notes was that each one did seem to have some good ground game. Now, when I say ground game, I'm assuming that basically is how you fight or how you can, how you tackle your opponent, how you defend yourself against your opponent. When you're on the when you're on the foot on the floor, on the canvas floor, um, after being taken down, so with a, a triangle, uh, whilst you're grappling, I'm assuming to me that is uh, what ground game is. If it's not, again, I'm still learning so much about this sport. Please correct me in the comment section down below if you're watching this on YouTube. So now in the second round, um, both fighters were pacing, exchanging strikes and leg kicks, and I did notice that. Yannin out of the two fighters she did seem to be the more um, and this is something that really I saw from the get-go from the beginning of the first round she did seem to be 
as with two um fighters they're much much sharper agile quick um fire so you know always always trying to get in there first trying to um, get a good strike in a good get a good heavy strike leg kick or a good hook in there uh edwards did seem just slightly just slightly um a bit more um relaxed i would cut that long story short because i made a lot of notes here but i don't want to ramble on too much about it edwards actually won that fight i mean I would have thought that with all the um, just but just by looking at the fight, um, how many strikes that Yan got in, the how she was fighting, how it looked like she was much more determined out of the two to actually win that competition. I actually thought that Yan would Yanin would have won that fight, but no, it turns out that actually it was Edwards. Okay, now on to the next one, back to the men's fight, which is a heavyweight division: Carlos Felipe versus Justin Taffer. Um, the Brazilian versus the Australian. I'm gonna hold my hands up here, guys. Um, I'm gonna download that um, UFC uh, is it replay or something app that lets me see or lets you watch uh, the recent fights as many times as you like. I'm not sure if there's a charge for it, but I'll find out somehow. Somehow, uh, for this fight, really, I couldn't find any proper highlights, and uh, really, um, all I can tell you is that Justin Taffer won by a split decision. So this is, um, and the the highlight that I could find was the commentary was I think it not being spoken in English it was either being spoken in Spanish or Portuguese, um, but basically it wasn't English. So I couldn't understand fully what they were saying. I could see the fight, but I would prefer commentary that's in a language that I understand, which is English, which is my first language. Um, but yeah, Jaffa did win that fight by a split split decision, and this is another reason why I after recording this podcast doing the editing video editing and uploading to youtube and to spotify and to the other major platforms i will make sure that i download that app unfailingly now on to the next fight which is the welterweight division david sawada versus ramazan imiv i'm hoping i'm pronouncing that correctly david sawada versus ramazan imiv uh so yeah the first um round basically the two guys start really strongly and they get right into it uh, which is what I like, and I hate them when the two fighters are just pacing around the octagon. They're just shooting out strikes and trying to scare the opponent or get the opponent to react. But uh, I hate that. I just want someone to do something already because time is going, and you know you want to see a good fight. So as the fight, uh, the first round goes on, the two guys are still going going at it hard and exchanging heavy strikes, blows, and kicks. Um, Ramazan got the first takedown in, and. Um, Unfortunately, he didn't manage to keep um, Sawada on the ground for very long. Um, his opponent uh, managed to actually literally spin out of his grip and just broke free. And um, seconds later, it did um, look like uh, Ramazan wanted to get another takedown in, but instead ended up clinching Sawada up against the fence. Uh, don't read you too much. I can read like I can report about the um, report about the fight. But um, yeah, I mean. Um, Although um, Ramazan does get one thing I did see in this fight, um, I didn't notice this, is that um, yeah, Ramazan managed to get about four takedowns in um, in this fight, and I think in almost all of them, his opponent Ramazan managed to just um, squeeze out of it like <laughs> like it was um, nothing, other spin out of it, slide out of it, or wriggle out of it, you know, like it was nothing. And just before the third round, even uh, Ramazan instead. 
well no, Ramazan landed a really heavy strike. Now, there's something the commentators did say um, that the fight would be hard to judge, and that that is true because both guys did put a really good did put put on a really really good performance. Their fight game was really good. You know, um, Ramazan. Yeah, Ramazan with his takedowns and um, Ramazan with his takedowns and um, Zawada with uh, his um, striking and his uh, leg kicks. But I mean, both guys did put on a really, really good performance, really, really entertaining fight. And um, unfortunately, there could only be one winner, and that was Ramazan, who won by a split decision. Right. Now this fight, um, which was in the women's bantamweight division, Vanessa Melo versus Sarah Morris, the Brazilian versus the Canadian. Um, no, that means anything, but just uh, I'm just saying, just talk about the background a little bit. Um, the w- women's bantamweight division. Um, now this fight, I have to say that um, Sarah Morris really got um, a verbal roasting <laughs> for her performance. <laughs> In this fight, because even after watching the fight and uh, after after watching performance in this fight, um, <laughs> it's called first of all, it's called a fight, not some sort of cross <laughs> like a where you warming a cross country thing. You just like um hopping around in Oscar, but not to insult her. I mean, she's a fighter. She signed up for this. I didn't sign up for this. I'm not. I'm not a professional fighter by any means of the world or the imagination. Um. You know, I'm just a fan. I like watching the sport. So, you know, credit to her for actually doing what she wants to do, which, of course, has some painful consequences of being beaten and injured and so on. But after watching her performance in this fight, there was another YouTube video, um, a YouTube video um, that a YouTuber had posted. I think the guy's name was CSH Combat Sports. Um, check, I, I'm not, I just saw one video, but I didn't see um, anything else he had posted. But... He gave this poor girl a, a roasting, and after seeing, <laughs> after seeing a performance in the cage, that I have to say that I understood what he meant because Sarah Morass, and credit to her for doing what she loves, um, for being a professional mixed martial artist. Um, she really spent most of her time in the cage, just kind of moving and pacing here and there. She did throw some strikes and leg kicks in there, but she she really was concentrating more on just making sure that she didn't get hit basically moving and pacing around the octagon she basically hasn't put more energy in so it's only till the end of the excuse excuse me it's only until the end of the last round that i could see that she'd actually she'd actually um actually that she she actually kind of stopped that and stood in the middle of the octagon facing her opponent, Vanessa Mello, head face to face, and just started dishing out some proper strikes, not just giving a jab here, just a jab here and there, a strike here and there, a leg kick here and there, moving out of the way. I can appreciate that in MMA, if you're a good fighter, you know, you always want to make sure that you do as much damage as, do as much damage as, as much as possible to your opponent, dish out as much strikes, um, hooks, punches, um, leg kicks, takedowns, you know, Dish out as much more more attacks on your opponents than what you're going to receive in return. Or dish out more strikes and more more strikes than what your opponent's going to give to you. I can understand that, but you know, unfortunately, it's a fight game. You're not going to go into the octagon there and come out unscathed. Unfortunately, you are going to have to take some abuse if you want to win. You know, you're going to have to 
it takes in pain and suffering. It's just what you signed up for. That's just the nature of the game. It's the nature of this beast. And um, yeah, in this fight, I mean, it was obvious Vanessa Mello um, did win. I think at some point the the um, scorecard came up, just I think in the middle of the second round. At at that point, Morass and Mello, Morass had 10 um, points for, I think, shots to the head, 1.4 a shot to midsection, 13 points for sh- uh, leg kicks, whilst Mello had 19 points for attacks to the head, shots to the head, 18 points for attacks and shots to the uh, opponent's midsection, and 12 points for um, shots to, um, well, basically 12 points for leg kicks. So she was in the lead. And obviously at the end of um, that match, um, she won by unanimous decision. Uh, you know, all that heavy striking that she was giving. And yeah, the heavy striking that um, strikes that she was dishing out that Morales was trying to avoid, it paid off. You know, the, the judges saw what she was doing, how she was performing. And, you know, well done to your credit to Yoshino, she won. But Sarah Morass, um, seriously, I'm, I'm not sure if her contract is still current with the UFC, if the, she still has any more fights left in her contract. But uh, hopefully in the next fight, she performs a lot better. And unfortunately, she stands... Um, Stands her ground, faces her opponent toe to toe, head to head, face to face, and you know, dishes up fights basically. You know, strikes, leg kicks. Unfortunately, you are going to get hurt in this game again. As I said before, it's just the nature of this beast. Everybody has seen that. Even the most the people at the um the highest level, the elite fighters, Conor McGregor, Khabib, um, George Saint Pierre. You know, all those people, they performed. Um, they've you know, even if they've um even if in their record because they're such good fighters and there are some fights of course of course that they've lost but even the fights that they've won the reason why they're so good and considered one of the best fighters of all time currently at the moment um is because in, when they get in the, into the octagon there they fight you know they attack their opponent they're of course trying to avoid their opponent as much as possible but not to the extent that this girl did in this fight because Miraz, I could see, was just basically circling <laughs> circling the octagon so many times and just dishing in strikes and, and kicks just here and there and then back to where he's going to move. So, you know, hopefully in the next fight, in her next fight, depending on her contracts uh, with the UFC and, De- UFC and De- Dana White, hopefully she can do a lot better. Uh, excuse me. So the next fight, Austin Lingo uh, versus Jacob Kilburn, the men's featherweight division. Um... So this fight started strongly um, in round one. Did it start strong? No. Read that again, Ike. Um, so Austin Lingo in the first round got the ball rolling. Um, he dashed out some um, some counter strikes. No, if I remember, I'm just talking based off my notes, but if I remember correctly, um, both guys just start strongly, but I think Lingo, ba- Lingo basically um, was just, let's say, the best of fights just at this stage here, and he managed to get... Um, Kilburn with a really heavy strike from his right hand, um, and that that strike nearly took. Basically, it it did floor um, it did floor Kilburn, but he was back on his feet in next to no time really quickly, and um, yeah, I could see that Lingo just clearly wasn't messing around uh, in the octagon. He was basically going in for the kill. A guy was on fire, and um, the punches were just. <laughs> You wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of of those punches, basically. Um, so yeah, uh, just um, to cut the long story short, I mean, you could see basically if you watch that match match from start and even the highlights, you can see that Lingo was the clear winner. 
Okay, so guys, in other uh, news in the mixed martial arts community, um, you know, I did mention at the beginning of my podcast of this show that Max Holloway, um, there's been some speculation and talk that um, since he, since the way he performed um, against um, Kata in the Octagon the other night, um, it was awesome that uh, potentially uh, he could have a rematch with Conor McGregor um, since their first fight, the UFC UFC Fight Night two, um, 26, which was back in 2013. And um, there's been a lot of speculation um, after this, I think, um, uh, especially after the statement that he made that he's the best boxer in the UFC. I think Conor McGregor, did he come out and say something? Um, I think he replied something. I can't remember what it was, but I'm sure there was something on YouTube and something on Twitter instagram saying something like uh are you short just something like that in <laughs> probably it just to antagonize um holloway just a little bit now if that fight did happen i wouldn't mind um just um because you know max's uh, fight game even in ufc 251 where i'm sure um, many people agree with me that some bs happened amongst the judges and they gave that win to um, Alexander Volovsky. Nothing against Alexander Volovsky, of course. When it comes to judging a fight, the fighters have no power or control over that. That's down to the judges. But, you know, he won, so, you know, that's out of both of their hands. He was, in their eyes, he was a better fighter, so, yeah, he won, he won. But, you know, Max Holloway's fight game, of course, has improved a lot since 2013. So, you know, if the, if Holloway and McGregor were to fight, I wouldn't mind seeing that. You know, it would show that uh, Holloway's fight game has improved immensely over the years because that was what, what seven seven years ago now we're now in 2020 so yeah seven to eight years ago now nathaniel woods um called out sean o'malley for a fight and he didn't make a jibe at about o'malley's leg injury that he suffered back in ufc 252 which was so bad i think the injury is called um caused o'malley to have something called drop foot and um it was so bad that o'malley had to be carried on the stretcher he couldn't um he it was just i think too dangerous or too much of a of a risky gamble if he did actually walk um out of the octagon or out of the arena on his own feet even if he was being supported and uh, I do remember Ben Askren kind of calling him out and insulting him saying it's a fist fight you're a pussy and uh, you know so Nathaniel made a jibe about um O'Malley's leg uh, I think he said something about um I think something about uh, just said imagine um O'Malley's leg and yeah showing uh, many just gladly replied so let's grab then so I'm assuming that's a fight that's going to be in the works soon uh, depending what Dana White wants and um, yeah in other news Conor McGregor has said that Khabib is not a true fighter and that he's afraid to fight him but um, Conor McGregor over the years has said a lot of things I have nothing against him um, he said a lot of stuff but Khabib did make it clear at the end of um the fight that he had um, against Justin Gaethje um, last year. Was it UFC what? Yeah, UFC at 254 where he won and added to his record, making it 29-0 and 0, that he would be retiring uh, from this. But in that fight, there was so much pressure on him to win. You know, his father just passed away. And um, you know, I think it felt very different. He is. I think he pointed out himself that his father came to all of his fights and um, this time around not having his father in the crowd um, that cage, or at least not having his father watching his fight, felt very different and very awkward for him. So, you know, 
there was so much pressure on him to win that fight. You can see at the moment he, that the uh, the fight was over, he just crashed his knees and just started crying immediately. Um, so Conor McGregor basically said that Khabib is not true fighter, that he retired because he's he's scared of having a rematch with McGregor. That why would Khabib retire? There's still so many great fights to have. You know, fighting the Diaz brothers, the Oliveras, the the Fergusons. That why would you want to retire? Now, yeah, given Khabib is 30, only 32 years old. And I think, I think I may be wrong in saying this. If if I'm wrong, please correct me in the comment section below. If you're watching on YouTube again, um, I think that it was stated somewhere that his father did want him to push his record of 29 and 0. Or no, I think his father did want him to get his record to be at least 30 and 0. I think that was said some that was said some again. If if I'm wrong, please correct me in the comment section below. Um. So, uh, yeah. Now, Michael Chandler has said that he would um, like to fight um, Nate Diaz. That really, in reality, what he wants is just fights that will bring him closer to a title fight, at least to a title shot. That I think he uh, he even said that um, fighting Nate Diaz would be very easy for him. Quote for quote his words in a recent interview post on YouTube, I would pick Nate up and slam him down on his uh, neck. That tall, long, skinny, fat body or skinny, fat boy. He's out of shape. He hasn't fought in a long while. So yeah, he's calling out Nate Diaz for a for a fight. Of course, Nate Diaz is one of the elite level fighters. Um, so I'm guessing if that does happen, that will be an interesting match. And um, yeah, back to Khabib. Yeah, of course. On social media, everybody everybody is aware that Khabib has been in talks with Dana White about coming back to a fight. And there's been rumours that's been speculating not long after Khabib's win against Justin Gaethje at UFC um, 254. Just, well, we're just in January 2021 now, but that fight happened in October of 2020, about October-November time. And not soon after that fight, there were, already was talk for Khabib. There was suspicions, there was speculations, there was arguments, there was rumours. That Khabib will be potentially could be coming back out of retirement. Um, Dana White and I said this in one of my older podcasts that uh, Dana White did say that if um, he would like Khabib to come out of retirement to fight again, and if Khabib was to come out of retirement, he would like to see a rematch um, of Khabib fighting uh, Conor McGregor. That you know, mixed martial arts fans such as myself, I'd love to see that. Yes, uh, to be honest, I would like to see that. But his coach. Um, Javier Mendes, who is a coach at AKA um, the American Kickboxing Academy in California, in the US, there it's in specifically it's in the San Jose area. Um, he um, he did reveal in a recent interview, and when speaking to RT Sports, that Khabib would need his uh, mother's permission. I was thinking, wow, but you know, it isn't. Um, it's nothing new that in Khabib's family in that part of the world in Dagestan and Russia that that's their culture and so it's something that, that you know is accept, accepted and respected I mean Khabib is such an awesome fighter and he said quote for quote, for quote that if Khabib decides if Khabib decides to return to MMA and Javier Mendes said this I agree with that but also we have to remember one thing he has to get his mother's permission too mother's plan she has to approve if he doesn't approve, he can say yes. He has to follow his mother. He said, I promised my mother. Well, his mother has to give him permission as far as I'm concerned. And I would lo- I would think knowing of the great person he 
great person that he is that is Khabib he's referring to if he does decide to come back after seeing someone he feels worthy he's going to have to ask his mother too so you know um, it would be nice to see Khabib come out of retirement he's still a young man um, though of course outside of mixed martial arts he has he already has his own wife and kids he already, already has his own family and already he has other commitments other projects that he's working on outside of the sport so we know that he's not sitting idly outside of MMA just doing nothing he's busy doing other workers on working on other projects but I mean um, it would be uh, nice to see Khabib come out of retirement and to fight opponents such as um, Conor McGregor so guys um, I managed to do the whole episode um, if you did enjoy the podcast again please do leave a like don't forget to subscribe and I managed to do this whole episode this whole entire episode Without, make, without making a mention of that internet um, clown, that YouTube clown, his name begins with a J, and um, I think his brother, um, the old one that has his own um, other podcast, that, um, which Mike Tyson and some other people, such as Steve Cook, which is one of those pre-faced and um, pretty-faced fitness models, they've all, they've all been on that. I'm not shitting anyone, but they've, they've been on that podcast, and um, yeah, you know, I'm not going to mention his name or his brother's name. So uh, yeah, because Charlie um thinks that Charlie has said that basically he he who shall not be named on this podcast, but I'm sure many people watching and listening they'll know who I'm talking about. Um, they will know. Um, they will suspect. Um, like myself that he's just saying all these things and insulting all these fighters and calling out all these fighters. Um, even when some of these fighters, such as Colin McGregor, haven't said anything until return. Surprisingly, when they, well, I'm not going to say anymore. They're saying all of this and doing all of this so they can get a big money fight. So they still get a, a big, a significant paycheck even when they lose. Because I know that if you're not, if you don't successfully win a fight, um, you do, you still do get something. So guys, I'm going to wrap that up. Um, this is um, Ico Jaco number five, episode five, show number five. Um, I do hope you enjoyed it. Um, again, if you do like the um, the podcast, if you've been listening as um as for as long as you have been now, thank you very much. Very very grateful. Um, please don't forget to leave a like and subscribe. You can also um, catch me on Instagram. My name is Jaco One on Facebook and Twitter. My name is Jaco. On Parlor, my name is Jaco. But for some reason, the Parlor app is down. I'm assuming. Um, I'm assuming it's uh, after what's happened in the US. Uh, I heard that Amazon actually pulled their support uh, for the app. So for for so for that reason, their servers are down. Um, also, you can. Ca- catch my podcast on spotify um player fm listen notes um soundcloud um also on podbean i'm still trying to get this thing sorted out for the itunes podcast you know apple uh, for some reason so you have to there's so much encryption to get around basically um but you can also catch one of the platforms uh, including um google podcast as well and also i think podcast addicts and cast box f cast box i think it's something like that but there's many many podcast platforms out there that i'm trying to get my podcast out to so bear with me i'm trying to get to as many of them as possible as fast as i can but once again guys thank you very much